Welcome to the broadcast of Better Together, Democrats and Republicans who love America. Happy Memorial Day. It's a it's mixed feelings that we have um, in our country right now with our trying to enforce some basic gun control. Uh, the wake of Uvalde shooting. Um, and yet... America is still, in my view, the best place for me to live, and I'm grateful. Home of the free, land of the free because of the brave, absolutely. So wherever you stand on the political spectrum, it really is a land of the free because of the brave. Because of those who were willing to fight, sacrifice, and die in many a war (coughs) um, to keep America going, to try to make a more perfect nation. And sometimes it's two steps forward and one step back. And sometimes it's big progression. And But, you know, still we owe a lot of gratitude to the fallen who gave of their service. And I just want to thank every person in the military who has served this country. Um, I also support different veterans' charities, (coughs) the disabled vets, for example, who have lost limbs, um, donated both of my cars last year to the veterans for charities so they could sell the money and make the money. Um, So it's really important to remember the veterans and remember um, the service people. I think everyone should have at least one charity if they're giving, um, donating, that should include some sort of give back to military uh, because they make it all possible. They do. So thank you for your service. My grandfather was in the military, um, World War II, flat feet, so he entertained the troops with his music on the ships in the Pacific Rim. And, you know, whether you had a relative in active duty or do now, or they're doing tertiary work, it's all important. So, and it's just important we make sure that the wars that we do fight are not ego drama from certain presidents, but actually represent the betterment and ensurement of the safety of this country and other democracies around the world. So... We've had good wars. We've had not good wars. Wisdom is needed. So, happy Memorial Day. Um, Wanted to start off with that. (coughs) However you celebrate and whatever your political party. You can find something good about this country that you appreciate, that you're grateful you're here. Um, If you don't have anything that you can find that you're grateful for while you're here, then you're probably American-born and you need to go out and travel. <laughs> I mean, it's so true. Those who are well-traveled have a very unique appreciation for America. Yeah. Okay. So I want to comment on Michael Moore in his Memorial Day uh, podcast, episode 242. It was a commentary about Uvalde shootings. I like that he also did quote the statistics that the police took an hour, over an hour to get in there. 
um, and that when they did, they actually only um, rescued their own children, which I don't know how that's possible. So how does it, how does that work? How does that work where, and this is all BIPOC, not a white person in the crew. Um, I mean, all BIPOC, the, the killer, the children, the police, the chief, all of it. Can't say chief anymore, by the way. That's been deemed politically incorrect. I, director, can't say chief. It's robbing from indigenous. Um, that's a new thing that has crept in slowly, virtue signaling, um, which is fine. Director, director of police, replacing chief of police. Okay. Unless you really are a Native American, then maybe you could say chief of police, and that would not be derogatory. But anyway, <clears throat> Michael mentioned that fact, and I've read it again today. So then I just want to know the logistics. Like, how does that work? How does that work where the cops are so incompetent, they could give a crap, five times a child called 911, I guess reports say they rushed onto the scene. Okay. Rushed and then dawdled for an hour. I don't understand that. Um, and then I don't understand how in the hallway they were waiting, but the cops got their own children out safely, but not the rest. When all were subject to the gunman. How did that work? <laughs> we need some expose. Like, what happened there? How does that work? where they were able to even get their own kids out? Or does it just mean that their kids were not in that room? Michael took it further and went into like gender issues. And I don't know. I think that that um, troubled soul who was bullied, the killer, Ramos, who was bullied, who, you know, finally snapped and shot his grandmother, who's still alive, with her shot face. And you know, decided to go and blow up, you know, or machine gun up um, an elementary school. I don't think he was thinking of gender politics. I think he was thinking, I'm going to kill as many as I can. So I want to just say with Michael, I appreciate his reach. I think it was too far reaching. He was trying to quantify it into gender and how most of the killers are men. Most of the victims are women. I don't think it this applied in that situation with Uvalde. I think it was had that classroom been um, majority of, of boys and minority of girls just by the numbers, he would have done the same thing. He would have shot the same amount of kids. I don't think he was thinking on that level. So I, Michael reached a little bit. Um, <coughs> he says there must be a number. That's the name of the podcast title that America is waiting for before we're all done with it. I don't think that's true, Michael Moore. No, I don't think there's a number. <laughs> I think if there was a number, we've long passed it. Um, I don't think there's a magic number. I am starting to hear more conservative voices come out of the shadows and in uh, wanting gun control. So that's encouraging. We have some good reports here. We, me, me and my phone. I have some encouraging uh, more people slowly creeping out of the right to say, yeah, we need responsible gun legislators, so, legislation, so good. 
Uh, but no, I don't think there's a number. Yeah. It's not a number for COVID. I mean, people still don't get vaccinated. So I don't think there's a number. I think there's a lot of confusion and a lot of urgency in what can we do to ban assault rifles. Yes, that's the topic. And what and who and how would that transpire? Um, Yeah, so... I'm like, should I add this part? Should I then dovetail into the articles? I just will say I was overall very happy with Michael's um, podcast. I don't always agree with him, as I've said before, because I'm not far left, because I can't be. Um, You know, I'm really disgusted by his view about lack of support for Taiwan. I guess he's doing the old leftist not our problem thing, and we don't want war and no nukes and no war. So, naive, number one. And number two, you don't want America to support a burgeoning democracy within the entirety of China? You don't want that? Why don't you want that? Because it may mean all-out war. It may mean all-out war. We've already secured Germany, Japan, Australia, France, reluctantly UK, and us to take them on, if, if so. So what are you worried about? I think he's a coward. I'm sorry. And I I just feel like someone needs to kind of, you know, sit Michael down and explain some realities of World War II. Okay. Um, The Nazi parallels (coughs) to the concentration camps of World War II to the concentration camp of current of over a million in the Uyghur Muslim area of Xinjiang is equivalent, in my view. It's just a bigger, broader net of oppression and torture and forced labor and horrible... I mean, the communist Chinese Communist Party is equivalent to Nazis, in my view, from the reports. Michael has not done an article... On the or a podcast on the Xinjiang files or the Xinjiang police files, I dare you. It's out. Germany cracked the story. He just stays quiet. I'm sorry, I'm going to ream him out a little bit. He just stays quiet. I see no evil, hear no. Do you think if you close your eyes and put your thumbs in your ears and go la 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 that China will disappear? I don't think so. It just kind of makes me wonder, what would Michael say if he was back in, you know, the Hitler time? Of course, he was the beneficiary of that. He was, you know, a boomer. He wasn't part of the previous generation, actually fought it. Um, No one likes war. I'm not saying we hip hip hooray for war, but if it's going to bring about greater democracy, justice, prosperity, and freedom to the world, then it's a calculated risk that's worthwhile. That's why they have good wars. That's why World War II is known as a good war. It's not because it's so fabulous and there was parties all the time. It's because it was absolutely necessary to stop the Nazi war machine of Hitler. (coughs) 
And so I'm just, you know, Michael, I double dare you. Do a podcast on the Xinjiang files. Do an expose on the evils of the Uyghur Muslim treatment in Xinjiang and the Chinese Communist Party, why don't you? It's noticeably absent in your far leftist agenda. So where are you? Afraid of China, are you? Sleeping giant? Really? Okay, because from what we've heard, they're barely making it economically. They barely have food with the agricultural. Wow, this big sleeping giant might be a big Wizard of Oz. Their economy's collapsing. Well, then let's finish them off. The part, Chinese Communist Party, I mean. I don't mean the innocent citizens. I mean the regime. So, you know, Michael, you know, uh, you're going to have to get around to the topic someday. And just saying, no, we shouldn't support Taiwan. No, Americans don't want that. Yes, Americans want that. You're wrong. Yes, we want to support our fellow democracies. You're wrong. And sorry if you're nervous about the nukes and the war. Sorry if that, you know, shakes you to the core and brings out the coward in you. You know, for others, it brings out the indignant and courage and we go, you know, we don't want to be bullied around by the Putin creeps and China and Kim Jong-un and these pe- and Iran now, who finally has nuclear capability. We don't want them using nukes as their, like, leverage. We just want to undercut that. But it doesn't go away by not talking about it. So Michael has not talked about this. And there is one, over one million in Xinjiang who are basically slave labor torture camps, plantation days, of all groups, um, fueling quote-unquote global supply chains. So therein we see where my country can flip-flop and UK flip-flops, but Germany and France remain resilient in the morality hierarchy, thank goodness, with us at births at times at least in supporting Taiwan, which Joe Biden does do and has made his position clear. So yes, we do want that, Michael. And you know what, Michael? If you can't stomach another war, a world war, well, that's maybe what needs to happen so you can have your dream utopia of everybody finally being able to use diplomacy because the autocrats and their destructive governments are no longer... So if you can't see the vision, you can't see the future there by knowing the past. Stalin's no more. Hitler's bye-bye. Germany's nice now. Japan's nice now. They weren't before. Amazing what happens when we get rid of autocracies and regimes like that. So I don't know if Michael's just encouraging anti-Taiwanese support so that those global supply chains can continually be fueled by oppression and torture of over a million people. It doesn't seem like that would be Michael. He's a nice person. He's a nice guy. But he's noticeably absent on this. I don't know if it's a fear block. I don't know what it is, but he's got to talk about it. So someone push him. Get him to talk about it. Like, you talk about everything else. Why are you not addressing the Uyghur Muslims? Why are you not addressing Xinjiang? They have files. They have a dossier, documents, all of this. Proof. It's not theory that we just listen to China that says we do not do... We, we, this is all... No. We can't believe anything China says. 
Okay. What we can believe is, is what we can believe are dissonance and the bold, courageous, um, courageous uh, Chinese that go up against their government, <coughs> the defectors, and the undercover that get us the stories in the Western world of what's going on in there because we can't rely on them to tell us the truth. We couldn't with coronavirus, can't with the environment, can't with anything. So, Michael, I dare you. Xinjing Files. Let it devote an entire episode to it. Why do you want peace at any price? Even the price of continued enslavement of over a million people in Uyghurs, in the Uyghur Xinjiang region. Not just Uyghur Muslims, but largely. Why do you think that we don't notice that you're not talking about this? The people that are your fans. We do notice this. You don't get a pass. All right. So that's enough browbeating. <laughs> right? I just don't want any more war and death. No one does. But, you know, sometimes you let these th- these groups fester and grow up to these nuclear people with nuke, 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 then you can go, okay, I'll have more reason to go to war to take you guys out. Um, so we don't have to worry about countries that keep threatening nukes all the time. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Home of the free, Michael, because of the brave. Okay? What did you do for a veteran today, Michael? Ask yourself that. I hope you do a lot. All right, I'm going to get off Michael's situation here. And let's go back to the gun control. So this was interesting today because we heard some interesting news from Canada. And I thought everything was fine and dandy in Canada. I mean, of course we know there's shootings everywhere. But, I mean, we, America, just tops the list by ridiculous amounts. So I was surprised to read Canadian um, news. So I'm not sure why they're doing this now, except maybe to disclose things aren't so civil there, and they want to do something about it. I was it was amazing. Um, and I really don't know how many assault rifles Canadians own. Michael didn't cover that in Bowling for Columbine, which I highly recommend you see. It's really good. Everybody has guns in Canada, mostly hunting or like handgun. Not too many assault rifles. So this was different. I'm going to read two articles. Trudeau announces Canada handgun freeze. Associated Press, Free Press. This was yesterday. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced Monday a proposed freeze on handgun ownership. I was surprised. In Canada, that would effectively ban their importation and sale following recent mass shootings in the U.S. The bill must... Okay, following recent mass shootings by... Okay. 
How does it have to do with you? The bill must still be passed by Parliament with the ruling Liberals holding a minority of seats. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership, Trudeau told the news conference, joined by dozens of family and friends of victims of gun violence. What this means is it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada, he said. In other words, we are capping the market for handguns. Wow, it's pretty extreme. Days after Canada's worst mass shooting left 23 dead in rural Nova Scotia in April 2020, the government banned 1,500 types of military-grade or assault-style firearms. See, I think we should do that. Yes, that for sure. But Trudeau acknowledged Monday that gun violence continues to rise. Okay, the government statistical agency reported last week that firearms-related violent crimes account for less than 3% of all violent crimes in Canada. But since 2009, per capita rate, guns are being pointed at somebody has nearly tripled oh, with the rate at which a gun was fired with an intent to kill or wound is up fivefold. Almost two-thirds of gun crimes in urban areas involve handguns. Police often point to smuggling from the U.S., which is reeling from recent shootings at a school in Texas at a supermarket in New York, the main source of handguns. Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicio estimated there are about one million handguns in this country, up significantly from a decade ago. Trudeau commented people should be free to go to the supermarket, take their school I mean, their school, their place of worship without fear. People should be free to go to the park or the birthday party without worrying about what might happen from a straight bullet. Gun violence is a complex problem, he said. But at the end of the day, the math is really quite simple. The fewer the guns in our community, the safer everybody will be. The proposed law would also strip anyone involved in domestic violence or stalking of their firearms license and take away guns from those deemed to be a risk to themselves or others as well as strengthen border security and criminal penalties for gun trafficking. It would also ban long gun magazines capable of holding more than five bullets. Well, that is extreme, <laughs> I will say. Yeah, that would never fly in America, banning all guns. I mean, we'll see what happens with Canada. I guess they've had some increase. Fivefold, it says. They're cracking down. There are a parliament country yeah i mean but i like that they're banning 1500 types of military grade assault rifles and yet there's the black market of course so interesting that's extreme Let's read another one about Canada. Washington Post. Canada vows to freeze handgun sales, buy back assault-style weapons. Amanda Coletta from Washington Post. Canada on Monday introduced new gun control legislation that if passed would implement a national freeze on buying, importing, transferring, selling handguns, effectively capping this number of such weapons already in the country. The bill, which... Officials here cast as the most significant action on gun violence in a generation also includes red flag laws that would allow judges to temporarily remove firearms from people deemed to be a danger to themselves or others and stiffer penalties for gun smuggling and trafficking. We recognize that a vast majority of gun owners in this country are responsible and follow all necessary laws, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau told reporters in Ottawa. We are, however, facing a level of gun violence in our communities that is unacceptable. 
The pro proposed legislation came after mass shootings in Texas and across the U.S.-Canada border in Buffalo, and recent weeks have revived a long-simmering debate in the U.S. about whether Congress might act to curb gun violence. Unfortunately, the reality is in our country, gun violence is getting worse and has been getting worse over the past years, Trudeau said. We need to look south of the border to know that if we don't take action firmly, rapidly, it gets worse and worse and more difficult to counter. Many provisions of the pro proposed legislation were featured in a gun control bill that was introduced last year but did not pass before federal election was called in August. Gun control advocates criticized its buyback program for banned guns, which was voluntary. The liberals pledged stricter gun control measures if re-elected. Such measures enjoy broad public support here, particularly in urban centers. The Liberal Party typically employs guns as a wedge during the federal election campaigns, painting their conservative counterparts as supportive of easing gun control measures to gain an edge. Gun control advocates have long called for a national ban on handguns, but some provincial and municipal offices have opposed one. The freeze envisioned by the proposed legislation is not a ban because people who already own them, oh, Okay, good. Thank you for clarifying. People who already own them could continue to possess and use them. So this was new, but they could only transfer them to businesses and chief firearm officers would be barred from approving the transfer of handguns to individuals. So it's really like a moratorium. So it's not a ban. Caps. It's a cap. Um, okay, so the, those who already have their guns can keep them. They could only transfer them to businesses and chief firearms officers would be barred from approving the transfer of handguns to individuals. The bill is likely to pass the support of New Democratic Party. The conservatives on Monday criticized liberal gun control efforts, charging they have unfairly targeted law-abiding gun owners and failed to adequately stamp out the smuggling of illegal weapons across borders. Today's announcement fails to focus on the root cause of gun violence in our cities. Illegal guns smuggled into Canada by criminal gangs, Raquel Dancho, the conservative public safety critic, said in a tweet. The prime minister has had seven years to fix this serious issue, yet he continues to chase headlines and bury his head in the sand. The measures unveiled Monday come after government banned 1,500 makes and models of military-style assault weapons in 2020. After a gunman posing as a police officer charged across rural Nova Scotia, killing 22 people, including a Royal Canadian Mounted Police officer, in the country's deadliest mass shooting. The government said Monday that plans to introduce a mandatory buyback program that would offer compensation to owners of banned firearms. That's nice. Details on program are expected this summer, and government hopes to begin buying back the guns, including AR-15s, the kind used in school attack in Texas by the end of the year. It's going to be hard, said Marco Mendicino, 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 Canada's public safety minister, but we're going to get it done. So measure account announced Monday would not require parliamentary approval, but a change to regulations. While mass shootings are relatively rare here compared to the U.S., the rate of firearm-related homicides has increased since 2013, according to data from Statistic Canada. It said that percentage of homicides involving firearms jumped from 26% in 2013 to 37% in 2020. 
Nearly 60% of firearm-related violent crimes included handguns, according to the National Statistic Agency. But it said there are many gaps in the data, including the source of firearms used in crime and whether a gun in a crime was stolen, illegally purchased, or smuggled into the country. During hearings in a public inquiry this year on the causes, context, and circumstances of the mass shootings in Nova Scotia, evidence was presented on the province of a large cache of weapons that the attacker, Gabriel Wortman, had on hand during the hours-long assault. Wortman, a denturist, did not possess a firearms license and obtained his weapons illegally. The commission heard that there were two and potentially three incidents when police received information about his access to firearms. Little, if anything, was done, according to the testimony. Several of the guns were traced and sourced to gun stores in nearby Maine. A friend there told police that Wortman took one or more of the guns without his knowledge or permission while he gave the shooter a Rugger P89 as a sign of gratitude for his help for the tree removal and other odd jobs at his residence. Ruger P89. An AR-15 came from a gun shop in California, but Wortman first saw it as a gun show in Maine at Summit Hill Spot Forum. Witness told the RCMP after the shooting that Wortman would disassemble the firearms and roll them up in his truck, Tanu cover to smuggle them across the border. Okay. I like the buyback idea. Money could be a motivator. I think be, I think capping all guns is extreme. I don't feel good about that, honestly. But I feel like, I mean, admire that they're definitely doing things about it. So the question is, is what can President Biden do? Does he have an executive order authority? Uh, we heard today. Because the president does have broad sweeping powers as the role of executive branch. But how broad and how sweeping is the question. Okay, Bloomberg. Biden says he's limited on guns after emotional trip to Uvalde, Texas. Courtney Rosen and Ben Bain yesterday. Fresh off the visit from a Texas elementary school where gunmen last week killed 19 children and two teachers, President Joe Biden said there are limits to what he can do to, as he renewed calls for Congress to crack down on the kinds of assault weapons that were used to carry out for the mass shooting. I can't dictate this stuff, Biden told reporters on Monday. That sucks. I can do the things I've done and any executive action I can take, I'll continue to take, but I can't outlaw a weapon. I can't change a background check. I can't do that. Well, I was hoping he could. Because <laughs> that would have been very efficient to just executive order, ban all assault rifles. Well, he says, nope, not so much. The mass shooting by an 18-year-old in Uvalde, Texas last week has increased demands on Washington lawmakers to clamp down. Since the attack on regulation talks in U.S. Senate have centered on so-called red flags, which empower family members or police officers to ask a court to temporarily remove the right to own a firearm for people exhibiting violent behavior. Democrats signaled they would accept limited progress in exchange for some action that would reduce gun deaths. Meanwhile, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell tapped Senator John Cornyn of Texas, a Republican, to work on a GOP compromise. On Monday, Biden said that he considers McConnell and Common to be rational Republicans, although he isn't yet negotiating with anyone in the GOP. He added that the U.S. constitutional protection for bearing firearms was never absolute. He couldn't buy a cannon when the Second Amendment became law. 
So it's not any type of weapon. Agreed. Oh, that's such a disappointment. <laughs> okay. So Senator Lindsey Graham was mouthy today. MSN. Okay, Senator Lindsey Graham discusses, discusses support for red flag gun law by Tim Renaud of WBTW, Myrtle Beach. Anderson County, South Carolina, U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham is working with both Democrats and Republicans on a federal grant program that would enhance red flag, red flag gun laws at the state level to curb gun violence. While attending Memorial Day event in South Carolina's upstate on Monday morning, U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham believes there is enough bipartisan support to increase security for schools. We spend a lot of money for security around public buildings, courthouses, banks. Graham said we should do the same for our schools. One effort he and other lawmakers are pursuing is support for states who implement red flag gun laws by providing them with additional money for officers and mental health workers. These are people out who are making who are mentally disturbed. They will take their own lives, maybe kill other people. We need a system to keep guns out of the hands of people who are mentally unstable with due process, Graham said. More than half Americans want stricter gun laws. What is red flag law? It's a form of gun control that enables law enforcement family members to petition a state court to order the removal of firearms from an individual who may present a danger to the community or themselves. A judge would make their decision to issue the order based on statements or actions made by the, run, by the gun owner. Keep them guns out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them to begin with because they are mentally unstable. There are a lot of other states that have red flag laws. I would support a grant program to help states that choose to go down that road, he said. Graham, though, said he would not support a federal red flag law. It should be done at the state level. But states have these laws in place. Maybe there are some things we can do in Washington to help them with the resources to keep things like this from happening, he said. 19 states have red flag gun laws as of 2021, including California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Hawaii, Illinois, Indiana, Maryland, Maryland, Massachusetts, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Vermont, Virginia, and Washington. The Parkland school shooting, that Cruz guy, he did everything but take an ad out in the newspaper who's going to kill people. So when you see people about to blow, give the cops with plenty of due process the chance to go stop it before it starts, Graham said. This makes perfect sense to me. Graham went on to say, I own guns, but I'm not threatening anyone with my gun. I don't go on the Internet threatening people. If you do those things and the cops need to show up at your house and take your guns away from you, you're threatening to kill people. Democrats for years have pushed measures like universal background checks and renewing federal assault weapon ban, but the measures have been blocked in narrowly divided Senate. With pressure growing on lawmakers to respond to the recent back-to-back -back mass shootings in Buffalo, New York, and Uvalde, Texas, GOP senators are pointing to other bills like red flag law to try and stop senseless killings. A group of 10 senators, including South Carolina's Lindsey Graham, hope to discuss implementing red flag laws at the state level in June. Well, there's some encouragement there. I 
and I guess if all 50 states implement them, then that's essentially federal. So here's an, a graphic example of, well, not graphic, an example of a scenario that could be prevented that was. Texas man wanted to go human hunting, arrested by Victoria Lopez yesterday by Wichita Falls, KFDX. Laredo, Texas. A man in Laredo was arrested on terroristic threat charges after buying multiple firearms and ammunition on social media and telling the seller he was going human hunting. On May 25th, the Laredo Police Department received the information regarding a terrorist threat, according to Laredo PD. Individuals selling a firearm optic scope on social media met with a buyer when they made an alarming statement. The buyer told the seller he was going human hunting. Finding the statement alarming, the seller reported the incident to the authorities. The Laredo Police Crimes Against Persons Unit and the LPD Juvenile and Gang Enforcement team conducted an investigation into the man's identity. <coughs> the man was identified as 37-year-old Javier Torres, according to Laredo PD. After reviewing the findings investigation, an arrest warrant was issued for Javier Torres on charges of terrorist threats, felony three. On May 26th, May Laredo PD investigators executed a search and arrest warrant at Torres' residence where he was arrested without incident. Multiple handguns, extensive magazines, long rifles, a bulletproof vest with armor plates, hundreds of rounds of ammunition were found in various parts of the house. They have all the photos. Authorities noted Torres' residence was less than 1,000 square feet from an elementary school. There were no direct threats made to the, to the faculty or students of the school in this case. However, due to the proximity of the school, the LISD Police Department was briefed on the investigation would be included in all future updates of the case. That's the school district. Laredo PD thanked the reporting citizen, reminding the community that if you see something, say something. Yeah, so that was an example of what to do. You know, had that German girl, whoever Ramos was chatting with on social media, reached out and alerted, that might have stopped too. You know, so like, we just have to take all this seriously. You know, don't brush it off. So Lindsay was also, wait, yeah had also something to say about Biden's rescindance of rockets. Biden, this is Newsweek, Biden not sending rockets to Ukraine is a betrayal to democracy. Graham, John Jackson, Newsweek, yesterday. President Joe Biden on Monday said the U.S. would not be providing Ukraine with rocket systems that could potentially reach Russia. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina denounced the president's decision on Twitter, calling it a betrayal of democracy. The Washington Post and CNN both reported on Friday that the Biden administration was preparing to provide Ukraine with multiple launch rocket system, or MLRS, that Ukrainian President 
Vladimir Zelensky had requested multiple times. The Ukrainian leader has argued that rocket systems, which can be fire, can fire rockets hundreds of kilometers, could shift the direction of the war that began in late February when Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered his forces to attack. When while Biden was speaking with the reporters outside the White House on Monday, he was asked about the reports that the U.S. was going to send MLRS to Zelensky's forces. We are not going to send to Ukraine rocket systems that strike into Russia, Biden answered. Graham stated his displeasure with the president on the matter in a tweet. The Biden, Biden administration's decision not to send these weapons is a betrayal of Ukraine, hashtag Ukraine and democracy itself, the GOP lawmaker wrote. Ukraine is not asking for American soldiers just advance weapons to protect and defend themselves from Putin's invasion. Graham's Twitter post came soon after the president's remark to members of the media. Graham had already weighed in on the issue following a publication of reports on Friday that Biden's team was mulling over the idea of sending long-range rocket systems to Ukraine. So frustrated, Graham tweeted on Friday. The Biden administration has been dragging their feet on Ukraine's request for long-range weapons like the multiple launch rocket systems, which have longer range than howitzers and ability to hit Russian forces in the east. In a series of follow-up tweets on Friday, Graham also wrote that it is time to stop Putin from dictating the actions of the free world. Agreed. And give Ukraine the rocket system and other weapons they need to take the fight to Russia. Meanwhile, Dmitry Medvedev, the former president of Russia and current deputy head of Russia's Security Council, called Biden's decision reasonable, according to the Associated Press. He added that if our cities come under attack, meaning Russian cities, the Russian armed forces would fulfill their threat and strike the centers where such criminal decisions are made. Dun, dun, dun. From Darth Vader himself. So what do you think that means? Would fulfill their threat and strike the centers, I mean, American centers, where such criminal decisions are made, which would mean our branches of government, our defense. So, I mean... I think more to come on this, but for now, um, I don't think Biden wanted to back out of that. But if Biden's being advised by our security that the Russians have an upper hand in our strike centers or centers, um, then that's a timing thing. It's a not right now. It's not a no. But he says not, but he said yes before, so not could also turn into yes later. Um, yeah, I don't like the bullying either. I'm with you, Lindsay, on that. I don't either. But also, I don't know. I don't know all the military strate strategic ins and outs and if he is being advised not to because of Russian uh, upper hand in our government system, it's a problem. So, at the same time, it's a problem we have to deal with. Yeah. So let's talk about Vladimir Putin. Newsweek, is Vladimir Putin sick? What we know about the Russian president's health, Isabel Martins, Newsweek. 
yesterday. Following many unconfirmed reports, there's been plenty of speculation of Vladimir Putin, the Russian's presidency, president, is seriously ill. These reports include an oligarch who's close to the Kremlin being recorded on tape that the president's very ill with blood cancer. Doctors close to the president have also alleged that he has just three years left to live. An unnamed FSB officer cited by FSB de- defector Boris Karpichov further claimed that Putin has no more than two to three years to stay alive, as he has a severe form of rapidly progressing cancer. Speculation that rapidly growing around the 69-year-old's health, as many has stated, this health is declining rapidly. There have been several unconfirmed sources claiming that Putin is not in good health. An unidentified spy has stated that Putin is losing his sight and suffering from headaches, while a Russian officer has claimed that Putin's limbs are now also shaking uncontrollably. Despite all of these claims being unverified, they draw similar conclusions that Vladimir Putin is ill with blood cancer and that it's spreading rapidly. Additionally, videos and footage have emerged from earlier this year, which shows Putin's handshaking as well as his attempt to grip a table for support. The latter occurred during the meeting and broadcast in April. The General SVR, anonymous telegram channel that purports to be run by former Russian Foreign Intelligence Service agent, has claimed that Putin will undergo surgery for cancer very soon. Allegedly, Putin's doctors have told him that the surgery might immobilize him for a short time although there are no concrete facts on who would be his temporary replacement. There has been speculation that Nikolai Perushev, the Secretary of Russian National Security Council, would take over. As New Week's fact-check team reported previously, while Telegram channel doors enjoy a large following as widely quoted Western media, it has offered no evidence to support its self-proclaimed affiliation with former or current Russian intelligence officers or country's security apparatus. Furthermore, in April, Dmitry Peskov, Kremlin spokesman, denied that Putin had undergone surgery and said his health was excellent. Could this be a strategy? Many have also claimed this could be a strategy for people to sympathize with him, particularly as the popularity plummeted following his order of the invasion of Ukraine. His face, he is facing global condemnation for his war with a European country. As Newsweek reported previously, earlier this month, Olga Lautman reported that as Russia is controlled Society's Putin's exhibitions of symptoms and sickness could only be theatrics and distraction. Olga Lautman is a senior fellow at the Center for European Policy Analysis. The Kremlin, which Newsweek has contracted for contact of a comment, has repeatedly insisted that Russian president is in good health. Okay. Wasn't there just a news story coming out that his daughter has already been appointed successor? So... So what just came back to me in a flash was Bill Maher in that not that long ago episode where he had a government official on the show. I forget the name. I wish I had the facts to back it up right now. But where he said, you mean Russia can shut down our power grid? And she was like, yes, absolutely. So <clears throat> and it kind of like cut to a commercial. So, I mean, now with this decision of Biden to not support Ukraine with the rockets, um, I think Trump did a lot more damage than probably anyone knows, except our our Secret Service slash espionage and our FBI and our CIA. Um, 
And he probably set the stage for this undermining, most likely. Um, I don't think Biden would refuse the rockets unless he has no other alternative. So then it just begs the question, um, how do we get to the place where we can give them the rockets and the support? Or is this a strategic move? Could we do it? And we're not doing it. Not because we don't care about Ukraine, but because there's a bigger military strategy in play, perhaps. So I mean, this is where, at the end of the day, throw your hands up and you have to trust your leaders because you have no other option. Um, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, you slice it, autocracies need to go. They're not good. Okay. Fox News, China threatens to downgrade ties with Israel after newspaper publishes Taiwan interview by Bradford Betts. An interview with Taiwan's foreign minister published in an Israeli newspaper has reportedly ruffled feathers in China. Jerusalem Post editor Yaakov Katz says he, Katz says he received a call from the Chinese embassy in Israel insisting that his outlet take down the interview. I love how China just thinks like it can just be China with everybody. <laughs> The answer is no. <laughs> I love because they don't know any better. They're an autocracy. They're, they're used to just shooting commands and orders and everybody obeying. Yeah, that's not how the world is. China didn't take long. Got the call from the Chinese embassy. Apparently, I'm supposed to take down the story that will sever ties with the at Jerusalem underscore post and the downgrade relations with the state of Israel. Katz tweeted shortly after the article was published. Needless to say, story ain't going anywhere. <laughs> Thank you. In the interview, Taiwan's Foreign Minister Joseph Wu warned out of the threat by Po's Chinese authoritarian regime. While dealing with China, you should never accept preconditions, because once you accept preconditions, you lose no matter what, Wu said. And when you worry about China getting angry or giving in, Michael Moore, are you listening? You paying attention to this? Because this is for you now. <laughs> when you worry about China getting angry and give in or make pledges that you shouldn't make concessions, China also wins. He urged Israel not to worry about getting China upset, noted that when they get upset at you, it means you're doing something right. <laughs> Love it. Taiwan remains a thorn in the side of Beijing, uh, which regards an island nation as a renegade state. Fears of possible invasion have mounted in recent months amid Russia's brutal, brutal military invasion of Ukraine. On Monday, Taiwan reported the largest incursion since January by China's Air Force in its air defense zone with the island's defense military. Ministry saying Taiwanese fighters scrambled to warn away 30 aircraft in the latest uptake in tensions. Yeah, so if China gets mad, you're doing good, basically. I love the simplicity. It's so true. Evil is not very complex. It's pretty clear. It's pretty single-minded. <laughs> right. Okay, was that it? That is it. I just wanted to wrap. Ooh, I made it under an hour. Amazing. Um, again, you know, it's not like I love war. I love what I can foresee as very meaningful wars that occur that will produce massive amounts of democracy, justice, prosperity, peace, 
human rights and such a laundry list and ability to fight climate change so much faster if said wars are uh, carried through. So I was not a fan of Iraq. I was not a fan of the Iraqi war. I was not a fan of Afghanistan. I was not a fan of Vietnam. I was not a fan of these um, bad de- bad decisions, right? Um, I am a fan of World War II. I wish we would have gotten in sooner. Um, I am a fan of World War III to come. I think it will be the most noble war we've ever fought alongside our allies for the greater expansion of democracy worldwide and the greater elimination of autocracies. Um, I would love it if we could just, you know, take them all out and just have Iran to deal with, you know. That would be great and liberate a lot of people, billions actually, in the process to have their own. And what, do an imperial, you know, uh, EU takeover of China? No, that we don't need to. They don't need to because Taiwan already has its democracy burgeoning. So it can be their own version expanded to mainland China. And Ukraine can be part of the EU in some sort of an associate category with certain um, milestones to achieve, to achieve full status, right? It might be a long rung of ladders, you know, ladder rungs, but, you know, eventually if they keep climbing, they'll get there, right? Um, yeah, America has to protect its democracies out there. Israel... And sure, it needs work on the political issues with, you know, the Palestines, Palestinians. Yes. Okay, but we still support the democracy. We support Taiwan, Michael. Yes, in all ways, Michael. We support Ukraine. We support these places and these people and these groups saying we're not taking it. Because that's what we should do to have a just world. And, you know, these autocracies are not bringing anything good to their people. They might think they are, but they're not. Not better than what democracies could offer them. Um, they're in it for their own ego trip, their own power games, their own dynasties, their own czardoms, their ego, um, their people, their pawns. Everything result revolves around lies and propaganda. And they have the audacity to try to impose that on other countries. It's always so humorous. It's like, that doesn't work here. That, that kind of play doesn't work outside of your borders. And by the way, we don't want it to work in your borders either. You know, but again, the best, you know, strategy I would think would be encourage the locals to rise up and overthrow. That would be all of China, two billion of you. That would be the Russians, Russian people out there. And that would be the Taiwanese. You know, it really helps the allies to get fired up to Russian to support you in all ways when we see the active, 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 like, rebelling. that Because that inspires. I don't know if I've seen enough of that with China. And I'm not saying that's easy, comfortable, or a, or a, a snatch. It's not. It's difficult. It's costly. But it's needed. And I appreciate the Xinjiang files and the Xinjiang police files that Michael refuses to talk about on his show. Because, oh my God, it might mean that he actually has to have a moral conundrum and go, one million uh, slave camps? 
fueling global supply chains? You're right, I can't hide from that, Freya. Yeah, it, well, I'm a hypocrite. I call myself a pacifist, but in fact, I'm promoting an entire industry of slavery right now by you know, not wanting to support Taiwan, for example. I know I'm mixing this a little bit, but you see what I mean? Michael won't take a stand against China. I don't like it. I'm not afraid of the sleeping giant. And from what I've read, economically and everywhere else, they're not. They, they are the Wizard of Oz. They are the smoke and mirrors. But they have one very important power, which is they have no conscience. So they can enslave over a million different groups of microgroups and their own to fuel global supply chains, torture, whip, beat, concentration camp, starve, you name it, rape, all of it, um, to sell you cheap Chinese goods. That's their one power. That all of us are guilty of in buying into to some degree, which we no longer have to. And by the way, it's not helpful for climate change anyway. So it's time, I say, bring on the World War III. I think Biden had to back down out of a tactical reason, not because he actually doesn't want to support Ukraine. I, my spidey sense says there's a bigger picture up there. There's a bigger strategy out there. Maybe they want to throw Russia off. And also, I totally believe <laughs> that Russia has a lot more influence over our country than we would be comfortable admitting. But we have to start to admit this, and we have to start to talk about it and not be shocked. And we have an orange-haired man to look to, to maybe who helped that along. Okay, not just him, but him too. And, yeah. You know, it's better to face the truth so that we, that we can all make good decisions going forward. I don't want a million people fueling a global supply chain. No product is, or service is worth that. Pay a little more from decent, honest labor. Ban imports from China, like all of it. You know, we have to make it, if the world goes against China, they crumble. They're not as strong as you may think. Their rhetoric is hot wind, hot air. What have they done? They haven't done anything with Taiwan in terms of like real. They've done these like posturing, posing, you know, bullying and scare tactics, threats and promises and nothing. And with, you know, if Putin has blood cancer or whatever and dies, it doesn't mean anything because he's already got somebody lined up. So that's why it's not about assassinating the leader. It's undermining the entire regime and picking it up from the roots and going, no. And what would help would be the Russian people to go, and we also would like better. You know, we don't want this either. We've evolved. We don't want these old oligarchs. We don't want this system of Tsardom. We're better than that. Because, I mean, I believe the potential of the Russian people is tremendous. But, you know, they have to rise up too. You know, and it would make it a lot easier for all the rest of us to rush in to help when there's rising up. I mean, I'm just going to beat a dead horse over and over until it happens because it's the right thing by the world. 
You know, that's why I want World War III. Not because I'm a warmonger. I'm a peacemonger. I want the outcome, which is the ending of these autocracies, a formation of a new UN, a new type of world order, and diplomacy to actually be the working way that we resolve these problems that Michael says he wants. But then he doesn't want to pay the price to actually have to get there. Well, you know, that's how it goes when you have Hitler types and you have neo-Nazis in the form of Chinese communists running these um, concentration camps. They just don't happen to be Jews this time. But it's the same evil. Thank you, Germany, for breaking those reports. Deutsche Wells. Deutsche Wells. Keep it coming. We really need Germany and France to be the moral compass right now because we get to compromise with the dollars. Okay, peace out. I'm out of time.